0: Greetings from from Woodlands Group of Churches in Bristol, many of you will associate Bristol perhaps to George Muller and the whole story of faith, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about faith today. In fact, our title is going to be Faith to Face the Storms of Life. And uh, we're going to take a passage of scripture from Matthew, and I hope it'll link with the series you've been doing on the life and teaching of Jesus. So if we can put that up on the screen, this is uh, Matthew chapter 14 and uh, we're going to unfold this together, so we'll flash it for those who are controlling the screen up a few times during the service as well, so we keep it available. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me! Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. <coughs> you of little faith, he said, why do you doubt? When they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, truly. You are the Son of God. Father, we pray now that you would come by your Holy Spirit. And here this morning, may we sense your spirit at work among us. We want to bring these scriptures alive to us today, Lord. Lord, we don't just want to be kind of challenged, but changed. That gracious work of your Holy Spirit from one degree of glory to another, making us more like Jesus. I pray now, Lord, for each one of us here this morning, Lord, so many are just new friends and strangers to me, Lord, but you know each one's story. You know where we are on that journey of faith. And I pray now in Jesus' name that for every one of us here, for some of us who may just be first looking and yet need to take that first step of faith, but others who've been on the journey a long time, I pray that you would strengthen faith among us. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, release those gifts of faith among us. Stir that life of faith. May we sense, Lord, whatever the storms are facing, somehow that faith being strengthened to face those storms. In Jesus' loving and precious name. Amen. Amen. As I say, it's a delight to be doing a special delight to pray. We're staying up with Fraser and Polly, and uh, they're so special to us that in fact we pray for them every day of our lives. So uh, you're never far from our thoughts, and it's a great joy to be here sharing with you today, particularly on the subject of faith. But not just generally talking about faith, but faith to face the storms of life. Now, many of you here, I don't know, but I guarantee that most of us have been through some storms in life. Some of us may be in the midst of those storms at the moment. Some of us may have already been through a storm, but it's left us bruised, damaged, even disillusioned, disappointed from what we've been through. And I want to just unfold this passage and even do a little bit by introduction even to how we handle Scripture when we're unfolding passages like this. To see how... You see, God's intention is not just for us when we face storms in life, to somehow survive. He wants us to thrive in it. And therefore, even through storms, it's not just how we get through it by the skin of our teeth and we survive it. a bit bruised, a bit disillusioned, not quite as strong as we once were, but we got through the storm. But how should the storm actually be stronger coming through it than we were to start with it? You think, but Rob, how does that happen? Well, this passage gives us some remarkable insights and some answers to questions sometimes that we often struggle with and leave some people shipwrecked in their faith. So let me just talk a little bit firstly about our whole handling of Scripture. You see, the Bible is the base of authority for all our life and practice, our personal life, our church, like everything we do. The Bible is our, our handbook for life. It's our guide for life. It's amazing. This ancient Scripture yet covers every different circumstance of life and given us insights into it. But it's not just a set of rules. It's not just a guidebook in the sense of a manual for life we go through. It's a lie, It's active; It speaks into our lives today. And that's important for us to understand, because what we want to share this morning is not just some reflections. We're going, to, we're going to expound this passage of Scripture, but as we expound it, it's not just understanding the positive truth. It's understanding those kind of now words, the way God speaks into our life today. So Jesus, often when he was teaching, he would use stories. He was a great storyteller. We call them parables. They're amazing stories of life, and yet he was always earthing those truths in daily life, and it's so important in our church life that when we unfold scripture, we apply it to our daily lives. It should affect our lives tomorrow, this week. He was telling a story about people building houses. It wasn't just to help you to be a good DIY person to make sure you don't be found. It, it was about foundations digging with your other, But actually, it was about when those storms came. It was about foundations of life and how we build our lives. Jesus would tell about not just losing your keys or losing the dog, but losing a coin or losing sheep. But as he told the parables, there were profound insight into life itself so what we're going to do is we're going to take a story. It's a dramatic story. This is the record we just read. We're not just going to understand how to steer a boat when it's storm. but we want to understand some real foundations of life. Profound foundations of life. There'll be some things we'll touch on this morning that'll be insights you've never perhaps ever thought of before.
1: Even though you've been a Christian
0: for many years, for every one of us here today, whatever stage we're at in our life, there's a next step of faith. But some of us may still be seeking, not sure. It's the first step Some of us may have been on that journey for many, many years, but it's always a next step to take. We want to understand about taking that next step of faith and how that happens. You see, as one of those storytelling that brought out profound truth, foundational truth for life, we have many examples in Scripture where a storytelling was also a prophetic. He was just speaking to a particular situation in a kind of prophetic way. So if I just take one of them, it's a story of a, a rather wealthy man and uh, in fact someone came to supper unexpectedly. He had huge flocks. He could have just taken them. but in fact, you know what? He goes and finds this poor fellow. Only had one lamb. He, this lamb was like his pet. He loved it. He'd lived, it slept in the house with him. it. did everything with him. He couldn't be bothered to go out long distance to the field get to Do you know what he did? He went and took that fellow's lamb and roasted it for supper. When the, the wealthy man heard the prophet telling the story, he was enraged and said, "Show me this person." He had power, in fact, bring Show me this person, and, and I'll deal with him. And then the prophet says to him, "You're the man." Wow. It was only a story, just a. But through the story, there was a kind of prophetic sense to it that was speaking to that situation. Now, here where it's helpful to understand when we're handling scripture. Scripture is so profound in its nature, it deals with the very foundations of life itself. We need to guard Scripture. We need to constantly need to preserve and conserve and to handle Scripture with that sense of, of awe at times. And yet, it's more than just a museum piece. You see, sometimes, let me just example, I don't know, this extinct bird, where they've got one in the museum in Bristol, they keep it in this glass cage. It hasn't sung a song for decades, it's extinct now. You can study it. There are people who spell it. Somebody's on a PhD just on the bird's wing, in fact. There are books written about it. You can study it. You can examine it. You can guard it in your life. You can preserve it. You can serve it. But you never expect a bird, if your touch of age to ever sing. Yeah. Sometimes when our hand scripture, we need really to be careful that, though we have a high view of scripture, we handle it, we preserve it, we study it, we guide it. But do we expect it to speak to us today? The bird to sing? The soul is still be alive. The sense when I open the Bible, just will be read today, that, that real sense of speaking to as soon as listen. Now here is that difference of time. Really, what we will call deposited truth, a deposited word, and a now word. So often one of the prophetic ways in which God because a lot of people struggle with the prophecy, with the sense of but surely the Bible is the finished, complete count of Scripture, God's final word in Jesus is complete. So why would God still speak today? But often the way God speaks is through his word, through that deposit word. So we take a deposit word and make it a narrow word to us. How do those work together, that one? So let me just illustrate. My, there's an amazing passage in Isaiah, I and mean, it's this one old picture. I glimpsed this morning as we worship. It's a picture of worship, and it says, I saw the Lord hide, lifted up, and his train filled the temple. This sense of worship and the presence of God. And there's even this sense of heavenly beings crying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And as i are worshiping, in a sense, he hears a voice saying, who shall I say? Who will go for us? Now, here's a deposited truth that comes out of that passage of Scripture. And it's this, that the closer you are to the heart of God in worship, the clearer you will hear the voice of God in mission. The closer you are to the heart of God in worship, the clearer you will hear the, the voice of God in mission. Now, that's of universal significance. It wasn't just in Isaiah, it's true today, it was true last century, it's true in Japan today or south whatever, but it's a positive truth. Let me just share a little bit of a personal test of way of introduction. So, many years ago, many, many years ago now, I went to Bristol first university there, did my first degree there, and then later went to postgraduate work, went to work with that day, the largest company in the world. The fascinating time. These were heavy days when we were discovering materials that you wear wearing in some sort of them today or others of now. These were huge sort of discoveries. We were racing with Japan and the back at the time. And then we found some breakthroughs on some of those, and they become household names on those materials. But then you have to write another patents. So I came back to Bristol because, in God's goodness, when I had the opportunity of seeing some of those breakthroughs. And so I was writing up these patents. I have to say too quickly, they weren't in my name and a company's name. So the millions that came out my name been there before, but they were, they were an exciting day. As I'm back in Bristol, it's early morning, it's a bright Sunday morning like this, and I, we, we're just a young family, just our first child, we're just a young family, I'm sat on this old park bench, I used to love to go out and walk in this early mornings, I'd read, I was reading through the Acts of the Apostles in my daily reading, as I'm reading there, I'm sat on this old park bench. One rung missing from the back, and I love Mabel's car, you know, carp on the other one, as it were. And I'm sat there reading Acts of Apostles, and those days it was Paul planting it at Corinth, and uh, uh, I've got said and many people in the city, the whole picture, and I'm reading it. And I look up from my Bible I'm reading, and in front of me, I'm on a, a slope on this park bench, there's a huge council house, they all these red tile roofs, I can still see it now. This was part of what, those who know Bristol Blazer State, I'm looking out at this huge, this huge house. And as I'm sad, it's clear as if someone sat next to me I heard those words. Those words were, who shall I send? Who will go over us? (coughs) Now I knew that scripture. I knew that deposited truth. The pleasure of the heart of God. We should clearly hear the voice of God. But but for me now, that deposit word becomes a now word. It's for me, at this moment, in this situation, I'm sensing God saying to me, with this huge housing estate in front of me, Is it God is saying to me, who shall I send? Who will I? <clears throat> I remember feeling a real kind of stir some sat on this bench and thinking, I had a little green exercise book I used to write down, my, my meditations and reflections on, and then writing down, and I'll retire early, I was on a phenomenal salary. I could retire, it was like early and, uh, and the rest of my life, or I, I'd apply Bristol University and Bath University, University and meet me, I'll come and do a search here, or I'll apply for a, a transfer down to the Bristol area. I was going back to London, just to take up a new appointment. I got to 19 options. Number 19 was that I'll, I'll resign from my professional life. I'll come and apply for a council house. Come and live on this house estate and plant church here. You know what often happens, Last on our list, and, and so it happened. As many years ago now, and since then, we've been involved in church planting, and every year we see new church planting across the city. But for me, what was happening that day was a deposited word of truth, of universal application to every generation, every situation, was becoming a prophetic word, a now word to me at this time, in this situation, for this estate now. Even if you'd been passing by walking in the dog, and I'd seen you, I couldn't say to you, hey, come and sit here. God's saying to you as well, it's the same Bible reading. God's saying to you, ah, no, 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 wait. That was the prophetic word. See, the prophetic word is limited in time and situation and circumstances. It's not of universal application. in the same sense of that. So the positive word of Scripture has that universal eternal significance, but the now And what makes that Scripture alive to us even now here this morning, here today, we're going to sense some now words. Some wow words. Now the extent to which you'll hear it will depend wholly on the extent of expectancy, of openness. If it's just a deposit word, you'll get some helpful insights on profound truths of life that'll help you, I'm sure. But if there's an openness, speak Lord, then there'll be some now words where God wants to speak into our lives. So I'm going to take this passage, one of the most familiar, dramatic stories of Scripture. Boy, you you can make, I'm sure, a film on it, but you just... This is this dramatic story of a storm at sea, But in it, will be some amazing insight. Just like Jesus would tell those stories bring those profound truths about it. It's going to be about faith to face the storms of life. Those storms may be very different for different ones Some of you here this morning, those storms may be may be health issues that have rocked your world or the world of someone close to you or dear to you or maybe. Health issue where maybe Maybe some unexpected results that you've had, and all that's been around. Some of you waiting for results in the uncertainty. Health issues can be such a storm; they can rock our world, suddenly change that.
1: And there'll be some of you here
0: today for whom the whole area of health is where you are most conscious of that storm. Those things that threaten the peace and calm of life and cause it stirs up in such a way that it seems absolute turmoil. For some of you, it be financial. Maybe in your work, it may be in your personal life. Uh, finance can be <laughs> such a worrying thing. And it can be such a storm. It really does. Rock the boat. Literally. Shipwreck So you may be worried about money or finance. The future, even your job or the certainty of a job, with Brexit or other things, suddenly things change. There's uncertainty. And it brings that sense of storm. For some, it's relationships and heartbreak and hurt and disappointment and for someone particularly here this morning you're facing at the moment a sense of heartache, of hurt of real disappointment in your life for some of you for some of you here it's more than just a particular situation, you actually suffer with anxiety you have panic attacks even last night you have had a disturbed night and you just struggle all the time with just that Turmoil of mind, that restlessness of mind, which feels as if you not just have a storm, it's as if you live in a storm. Now, all those different circumstances, we want to look at and sense how faith face those whatever they are. We may not have touched on a particular thing. Here's the first thing I want to say follow it carefully, be taking notes, and I want to think about faith to face the storm when we're confused about why it should happen. And flash those verses up again, just the opening verses. And uh, you see, sometimes we find we go through a storm in life, the bottom fall out of the world, we're really facing pressures in life. Because, that, and this is really challenging, it wasn't because I made a bad decision or I take, take a wrong step, I did something wrong. It wasn't, in fact, it was somebody else that did it, but I'm feeling the effects of it. You know, there's times where you feel the utter injustice of it sometimes and the hurt of it, where it wasn't me, I didn't do it, but I'm feeling the effects of it, and I feel the storm, I feel the pressures of it. And just as you feel that challenge, that kind of storm that comes when somebody else has done something, you're now living with the consequences of, and the whole challenge of how we're able to forgive and let go. But sometimes it's the other way around. And there's sometimes where, you know, you've made a mistake yourself. And you did a foolish action. You look back, and now you regret it. It just happened so quickly, you look back whether it's a broken relationship or a heartache and you think, if only you could redo really it again, but it's too late now, it's all happened. And then it's the whole challenge of not you forgiving, but being forgiven. But here is the most challenging one. This is the most difficult situation to really face in life concerning faith. And it's left so many people shipwrecked in their lives as far as faith is concerned. It's when you face a storm, when you're going through it, and it's not because of a mistake you made or a wrong decision you made. It's not because of somebody else's mistake or wrong decision. Whose fault is it? You feel it's God's. You feel it's God got me in this situation. In fact, I prayed about it. I wanted God's guidance about it. That's what I could do it. It was God that and I felt. It was God that made me go here. Listen to these opening words. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. So it was Jesus that had gotten the boat. I mean, if you can imagine the middle of that night in the storm, these are seasoned fishermen. They knew their way around Galilee, etc. But as this storm is raging, you're just trying to keep head above water and just survive. Peter, he was always the one to put the mess. Why did you get us in this mess? Why did get, what do you mean? Don't blame me. Well, James, John, was it? No, no. Well, who got us here? Jesus. Jesus had made him in the boat. And that dawning realization sometimes you think, but, but wait a minute. I prayed about this, I sought God's guidance on it, and It was it was God that gave me this relationship or the situation, and, and, and I was all gone pear shaped. But it's even worse. This isn't the story when Jesus was sleeping in the back of the boat, he's back on dry land. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he got you in the boat, but he's not even here with you, so that sense of now. leave lead people shipwrecked in their life. I pray with many people who've gone through struggles in life where they fear, well, it just seems so unfair It's not as if I did it wrong. It's just, I, I genuinely, I've known people who've gone to the mission field and thought, well, Paul and yet it's all gone pear-shaped, and you think, well, look, did Jesus make me get in that boat and go into the side? Mm. Now, it's not until the end of the story, mm. as often is the case, mm. we'll get the full picture. By the end of the story, any one of those disciples would say, Lord, no, send me a hand in that book. Because by the end of the story, they'd experienced and discovered a revelation of Jesus like they'd never known in their life. It's an amazing story. It's an amazing moment in their lives. But at this stage, not, when you're fighting just to keep alive, when you're struggling with the pressure of it all happening, it's difficult. But actually, through this story, they really grew in that. Some months ago we were visiting our, our grandchildren up in Birmingham and uh, uh, our, do- our granddaughter, the oldest, she loves animals, she loves riding, she loves any animals, they've been in the park, a little bird of wren had fallen out of her nest and was hopping along, so she, she picked up this little wren and uh, uh, she was caring but she couldn't find the nest so she brought it back home, she had a shoebox it was in, a bit of straw, it was a Saturday morning we were visiting and normally she's not been up this time but she'd been up early. With a little fountain pen getting some milk and this bird giving them some feed, etc. And she was carrying through it like anything, you know, as if this is a this little wren, just so special to her. In the afternoon, we went out in the garden. Yeah, the sun had come out, we were in the garden, and, and the boys there playing some football, etc., and, and she's still holding on this wren. And suddenly in the middle of the afternoon, she went when it was and she takes this little wren, I was still picturing that, and she throws it up in the air This wren she'd been guarding so carefully. She throws her up in the air, and the little wren flaps his wing or anything, and falls onto the and I said, Hannah, I said, why have you done that? And before I could stop her, she has a wren in her hand and he's up again and, again. and I said, Where do you do? what are you doing? She said, Grandpa, she said, don't worry. She said, I'm teaching you to fly. <laughs> <laughs> teaching you to fly. The Bible gives us a remarkable description. It wasn't a rain. It's an amazing moment. It's the end of Moses' life. And Moses begins to say, I won't sing it we got about that, but he, he sings, he sings this whole history of God's people, and he's singing over them. He's singing this song over the most, and he's singing the story of their life and then their journeys. as it And as he's he says, Oh, God, at times you were like an eagle, we were like the eaglets in that nest of oh God, and you watched over us. And now, look about a wren falling out of a bush. Eagles they live pretty high up there on edges of crags and cliffs, etc., uh, uh, and that's really you know precarious up there. He said, But oh, Lord. But like an eagle, you stood up the nest. This is Moses singing to all God's people. Tell me this. He said, in that time, oh God, when you wrestled when you the nest, you stood up the nest, O oh God. And as you stood up the nest, uh, and the eagle uh, nudged the little baby eaglets to the edge of the nest. you think, wait a minute, don't get too close. You get right to the edge. And we're not just talking about you know falling out of a bush. You look over, you feel sick. Just looking over. This is the top of a cliff, you know. And, and you better be careful. You nudge any longer. No, you, 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 you're still so nudging. You nudge a bit, And... Over the edge, the baby eagle goes. Free for bottom form of this world. Never been here before. Flapping like mad. And then it says, this lovely picture, it must of says, oh God, you swooped down and you carried me on the pinion of your wings. Have you seen some of those little naked films where they catch it remarkably an eagle teaching its eaglet to fly? Catches on its wings, brings it back to the nest. So you can imagine it eager, <laughs> mother don't ever do that again. <laughs> a few minutes later, lunch The edge of a nest again, and over the edge, the eagle's in free fall, and off it goes, it's falling. And in fact, even further this time, and flapping like mad. Catches it and brings it. you think, but what mother would ever do that? Really? Because she loves that. Never learned a lie. The situations of life sometimes that through all oh, when you feel the bottom floor in your world, you discover experience of trusting God, experience of God that you never know any other way. As Corrie Ten Boom once said, no pit is so deep that God's love is not even. Mm-hmm. Those experiences sometimes, though we will choose them, God can actually turn them around. The disciples, there's this amazing moment where through this experience of the storm, there's so much more for him yet to, to know. So what happens is that the next thing is face-to-face face the storm when we feel so distant from God. You see the challenge is so often in our lives when we go through testing times, when we throw go through storms and heartache and disappointment, <coughs> the times when we most need to pray is often the time when we least feel like praying. Yeah. The time when we feel furthest from God, the time when we don't feel as if our prayers go beyond the ceiling and and we're struggling to pray. You know, it's like trying to lay an egg sometimes. You're, you're really trying to pray. The disciples, this was the experience. If you notice, it says this, that the ship was now, the boat was a great distance from the land. So just about the fourth line down, but the boat was already a considerable distance from the land. And Jesus, men was back on dry land. So they're miles away from where Jesus is and the world was already a conservative land because the waves, the wind was significant against it so here it is there's times when you feel distant from God miles away but also you feel as if everything's against you not just the wind against you but a weight But those kind of losing times of life where you just feel that everything's going against you, it just doesn't work out like you thought it was going to be and you're really going through that kind of storm and yet there's a time also when you feel most distant from God I mean, this Jesus who made you get in the boat, he started on dry land. But here's this amazing insight this passage gives. It goes on to say, when Jesus dismissed the crowd, <coughs> that is the third line down. After he dismissed the crowd, he went up on a mountainside. Now, why are you going to go on a mountainside? This is this is midnight. This is dark. This is a storm raging. I mean, the last place you want to be is on a mountainside to so expose. it. he goes up on a mountainside. But he goes on a mountainside to pray, by himself to pray. we oh, find out. When Mark's Gospel describes this episode, it gives a fascinating insight. It says this, The boat is now far out at sea, great distance from the land, it says. Okay. Storm is raging, wind is against it, waves beating, pitched up
1: it says that Jesus now
0: goes up on the mountainside to pray. And it says this in Mark chapter 6. As he was praying, listen to these words. As he was praying, he saw the disciples with their hands straining on the oars. Now, I tell you, even German would with nightbearing. If you could have been on a the spot, there was a boat out there, you'd be doing well. If you could have been on a the spot, there was a boat with some men in it doing well, you'd be as to seeing their hands on the oars, that would take something beyond the best binoculars. So what was it? Was it Jesus just supernatural eyesight? Or, or was it in this place of prayer? In this place of prayer, he could see all that were going through. Not all that they were going through, but also the point of greater strain, isn't it? Their hands straining on the oars. That's the expression their, You can see their hands straining on the oars. What an amazing insight here in this place of prayer, of intercession with Jesus, Jesus could see all they were going through. He knew the pressures they were under, the strains they were feeling. He wasn't distant from them. He wasn't miles away. He actually was there in that place of prayer for sin. I want to say this morning, I don't know you personally. I don't know the details of the circumstance of your life or those people close to you who are going through. That storm. I don't know all humanity, but I notice there is one who ever lives to make intercession for us, where every hair of my head is numb, where no strain that I feel, no pressure I'm under, no anxiety or panic attack, no. He doesn't see and know and understand and is. See, that makes such a huge difference to how I perceive it. Is it me, just this kind of Christian who once believed in God, but now it's all gone storm-like? And now you don't believe in God anymore. He's miles away. I haven't seen him. I haven't felt him for years. He's not interested in what I'm doing, really. Even while you're going through all that, you know he's praying for you. Interceding for you. Sensing the very strain you're going through. He ever lives to make intercession for us. There's so much more. But because this passage of Scripture gives some remarkable insights into, into faith itself. Facing the storms of life, one of the greatest challenges that fear robs us of faith. Fear. fear. Fear is the greatest end. Fear will paralyze us. Fear will rob us of that sentiment. It's amazing how easily it happens. That's why one of the most familiar words that Jesus says is, fear not. In fact, even right from his birth, even the shepherds terrified, fear not, in the fear, you know, It's constantly in this sense of fear not, don't be afraid. Because fear will us. you see. See, what happens now is, it wasn't just that Jesus was praying miles away. He comes from where they are. And even the moment he comes, he says, it's the, says, it's the fourth watch of the night. Notice about the fifth line, sixth line down there, during the fourth watch of the night. Now, if ever there's a vulnerable time for any one of us here, as part of human nature, it's about 2 o'clock in the morning, it's fourth watch of the night. If you suffer anxiety and you're worried about this problem, I tell you, you be 10 times as big at 2 o'clock in the morning. If you think you're going to you need to sort it out by the next week's time, you've got to sort it out by tomorrow 10 o'clock in the morning. If it, if it seemed this big, a problem should be that big too. There's it, a sense of anxiety. That's why people have panic attacks. That's why nighttime restlessness and sleeplessness is there because it's the human spirit it's where you're most vulnerable. You know, you're two o'clock in the morning. Everything seems dark. Everything. Here it is, the fourth watch of the night. Amazing moment in in, in human nature. And yet, this moment, the fourth watch of the night, the moment of greatest vulnerability in our human nature, particularly in this realm of that spiritual battle. It's a spiritual battle world not our lives. There's a battle going on we just touched on it in terms of whether it's manifestations, in terms of the Middle East or all that's happening politically in our world. There's a battle going on between light and darkness, between good and evil. And in this battle constantly it's a battle between fear and faith So here is Jesus at last. I mean, they're about to drown. You think you've left at the last minute at last he's coming, you know, kind of over the waves. Wonderful Lord, you're here. But do you know what? They're so terrified they cry out in fear. Listen, like I saying, it's a ghost. It's a ghost. Mm. You're in Tottenham, it's so associated very often with the whole occult world, you know, kind of ghosts. And I'm sure as we come with Halloween and all that's been happening around that, you know, in the sense of, you know, the, the, this realm of the supernatural. So often, we don't take hold of the truth because of perception and false perceptions and the ways in which you hear. This is Jesus coming to me, <laughs> and yet, it's a ghost, they say. Terrified. What is it in our lives that often robs us of faith? Is it fear, sometimes? Fear of letting go and trusting God. Water, particularly, is an example of this, isn't it? Water, life-giving is if when you're thirsty, but, you know, when you're learning to swim. Just letting go of the bottom is such a big deal. Just letting go of Faith. I don't know what may be at the moment in your life, certainly in the midst of those storms, it's faith that will make the difference. Faith to really be able to trust God. Somehow, breach with it is a next step of faith in life. Every one of us here is a next step of faith. Few are robbers rob us taking it. For some of us, we think, oh, you know, being out of control. I wouldn't know what. Suppose I trusted God. What, what would I? Yeah. that? That's fear that will rob me. Even in the gifts of the Spirit, you know, sometimes we'll struggle. You the the Spirit. What have I been or, or, or dreams, or the supernatural. You all know, it's all simple. What do I, I let go. Fear will always rob us yeah. of that release of God's Spirit in our lives. Mm. God longs to release his purposes. If the many of us here, the next step of faith we'll never take unless we all come <laughs> Even today, it would be fear that would be robbing you of the next step of faith. And you may well have been at that plateau for years. You got to a place where you somehow felt God's stirring and as to the next thing in your life, but you you just have held back and you're afraid of what it might be. Fear. It only takes a step of faith. You're not talking about something huge are sometimes. it's just be willing. And even when you've been struggling in your life, maybe, particularly the pressures and storms you've been through, the disappointments, the disillusionment with God, when you feel it's been unanswered prayer. i prayed so often, I haven't God answer that prayer. I can tell you some amazing answers of prayer. I wish they'd all been the next day. <laughs> some of them have been just holding on in prayer, sometimes over years and years, but it's that faithfulness of God. I sometimes tell the story, I'm not starting these stories, I thought you heard but uh, you know why. Let me just tell this oh, sorry, sorry the so sorry, but there we go. So I was in the mission hall, I came to faith, I was doing was October fourth. It was all completely new. The person was the first time in my life, I'd I understood that Jesus, as the Son of God, loved me, me personally. I'd always thought it you was know, something historic that I didn't believe in. It was just superstition, like, you know, a cross is something you see on top of a church or around people's neck, neck a bit like a lucky charm, like walking on a ladder is bad luck, seeing a black cat is good luck and wearing a cross is the same It It's all not kind like of category for me, but it's not. First time in my life, really believe that Jesus, as the Son of God, loved me him, gave Himself to me. I really wanted to become a Christian, but I didn't know how to do it. And so the person said, Well, just pray. Lord. I said, Well, I'm going to pray. And they said, Well, just ask God as well. They never asked God I? And he said, Well, shall I help you? And he said, Yeah, I said, you He said, Shall so I say a prayer? And he said, I can't say it for you, but I'll say it with you. And so he just prayed a simple prayer to pray with and with as I prayed, Oh, I knew something changed inside. And, and he encouraged me to you know, go back and share with somebody that, you know, I prayed that prayer and to be able to pray for somebody else. So I went back home. I didn't know how to pray. I just, I remember seeing a picture in a second-hand shop of a, a, a young girl, a, a, a rather, you know, night-dressed little girl kneeling down by her bedside with a candle in the corner and praying. So I put hands together. So I knelt my on my bedside, put my hands in my candle. So you know, I thought this was a way to pray. And, and so I prayed and I prayed for my younger brother. And my younger brother shared his bedroom was adjoined to mine. you had to go through my bedroom to get to his. And we were rebels. We were four boys at home. We used to be great football teams together, two a side. And uh, we were real rebels. He was, and my younger brother, he, he, I, I'm down here kneeling in, 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 in my. And he, the door swings up. He comes in to get his room. He trips over me. So I'm down the bed with, And he trips over me, swears, and curses. what am I doing down there? And he's asking me, what am I doing down there? And I'm just a few hours. I was always a Christian. I know I should have said, well, you know, I'm praying for you, brother. I felt under the bed so I'd lost something. LAUGHTER what I didn't know was, I thought, maybe it happened overnight. Just yes, that during, during the night, as he's asleep, that prayer would get answered, germinate, you know, it just takes a while. In the morning, that bedroom door will fly open and praise the Lord, hallelujah, my brother, younger brother, coming out. And so I couldn't wait for that door to open the morning. As he came out, he's still swearing and cursing. So I asked him I <laughs> felt very lost, and he's still chicken as ever, saying, no, I'm still looking. You know. <laughs> so, but, but I didn't know what to do. This is where sometimes, this is where it ends, or something, that's it, that's all over. That was just... You know, Christian writers one day struggling with their first prayer to get answered. And I was engaged in danger of that too. And I said to a, a, an older Christian that day, I said, next day I said, Well, what do I do? I said, Isn't it okay to say the same prayer? No, maybe not. i just praying my first prayer.
1: He said, Yeah, he said, Brother,
0: keep on praying for them. He said, Just keep praying for them. So I did. I prayed the next day. I prayed all that week. I thought maybe it happens on Sunday. But it didn't. I went the next month, the next. Six months, the next year, the next five years, every day of my life in the morning, I pray for my brother, every day. The next 10 years, the next 15 years, the next 20 years, every day of my life, even on holiday, the children used to smile sometimes, I have a little prayer for it, I feel called to a life of prayer, so I, I give extended time to him, that is a prayer, the children say, "Dad, do not take that phone if you're on holiday, do you? I say, yes, in my life, you <laughs> I pray for my younger brother. 23 years, every day. And then there's nothing more, Ooh, the word becomes the now. That divide the truth. I feel a stirring for my younger brother. But the trouble was, you see,
1: when I started praying, my brother, he went
0: further away from God. He was miles away you know? He was a hard-working businessman all over in South Wales. And just if I'd said my prayer, i would be like bread back to bull. And so, you know, I'm thinking, what do I do? And uh, I, I, I couldn't get it out of my mind. I prayed from coffee time, I prayed from lunchtime, I prayed from the afternoon. Even when I went to bed, I, I prayed I prayed, I prayed from I my younger brother. There's other people I used to pray. pray for him. I wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning, fourth watch of the night. 2 o'clock in the morning, sweating all over. And he's like my younger brother. I just can't get him on my mind, you see? And so I pray for him 2 o'clock in the morning. I get laid out the next day. I pray for him in the morning. Same thing happened. Coffee, time, lunch. I pray for him all day. Get to the night, pray for him as I go to bed. I intend to fold him, but I'm to to 40 by this chicken as ever. I just didn't you know what I was going to say. <laughs> 2 o'clock in the morning. I and thinking, I I've mean, 23 years of my life every day I my, my brother. And now, I'm thinking I must phone, so the third day, I, I, I really was going to fall him, but I, I, I got to the eat myself, and third night took off Now the fourth night, I'm bleary eyed and I better fall in. so I, I, all day I was going to go, I get to this fourth night, and I, literally what happened, I went to, to reach for the telephone, and as I reached for the telephone, the telephone rang, and guess what's going to happen? I pick up the telephone. And it's my brother John, yeah? I said, John, I I've spoken to him for some weeks, I've seen him for some months. And I said, John, this is amazing. I said, I'm about to phone you. Oh, he said, what are you going to phone me about? Chicken is out. I said, I I said well, what are you going phone me about? <laughs> <laughs> he said to me, he said, you know, Rob, he said, uh, for the last three nights, I've woken up two o'clock in the morning, every night, sweating all over.
1: Ooh, I could feel the hairs from the back.
0: He said, I did he said. Every night he's last I just so i don't get caught. He said, I woke up, sweating all over, he said. I'm thinking, I better call you. He said, I'm well, really, John, I said, well, what was chasing you, John? Thinking he's a lion or some wild beast. And I know my young brother really well, and there's a little moment of silence, of embarrassment on the other end. And, and then he said to me, I think it's God, he said. Oh, I said, John, really? I said. Now I had a chance, I So I thought it might be. We met up on the bridge, the, the old crossing, the Seven Crossing. The car steamed up after two hours of the call, and we a in there with the Lord. I wish that day he'd become a Christian. We didn't. It wasn't until two weeks later. Before week he'd can appreciate a Christian, would become a Christian. Christian. <laughs> <laughs> four time Christian work, and led many, many, other people to the Lord. You know, I struggled because I thought, oh God, 23 years. could you give me a little blink, a little tip, a little little kind of insight you were on the case you know, for 23 years we are faithfully praying and I struggled with that for a few days and I felt God say, no, I felt God say to me, well I did give you an insight, I did give you a I did these last three days, if i giving
1: given it to you for 23 years you'd be a nervous wreck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> see God is
0: at work in our world, by his spirit constantly, he just long to engage us in that process so for this moment here, it just takes a simple step of faith. <coughs> but Peter, you can't say it was the most confident step of faith. You can't say it was the moment in his life when he really So He just says this. This is the moment. This is, oh, sorry, it's gone. This is, this is what you call a, a first step of faith. Hesitate, right? He says, uh, Jesus says, take courage I don't be afraid. This is what Peter says. Lord, if it is you, if it really is you, Lord, let me come to you. <coughs> Tell me to come to you on the water. You can't say, wow, Lord, it's you. It's oh, Lord. You know, <coughs> if it really is you, then you know, those kind of hesitant. up yeah. God is mercy. No matter how hesitant that first step is, if we're willing to take it. Jesus responds to that. First, simple, profound step of faith. But here's what's even more amazing. is Jesus' response. Do you know what he says? Well, that lets you know one word. It's one word. He says, look, middle of it, tell me to come to you on the water. Jesus says, come, come. Well, I we have had done this before, just a little bit of instruction. Is it going to be spongy? Can you put, it do I put my foot out? <laughs> do I hold on to the boat? Or do I, do I leap forward? I mean, just a bit of instruction, a, a little bit of help, you know. I mean, come, come. Yeah, but what, well, I don't feel. a whole gap up. I've never done this before.
1: Yeah, but God, I
0: don't. come, come, come. <laughs> See, that is the internal invitation of the gospel. Whoever wills may come. If you want to have all your answered questions answered before you come, then often you'll never get there. Yeah. The wonder of Alfred is a chance to ask some of those questions. The great experience of Alfred probably exploring those questions, but don't wait until you think you've tied all those answers. <laughs> you know all the answers. Maybe some of you here you're still on that journey. Sometimes just Jesus doesn't explain how to, to mortal He says, huh? if you're burdened, you're heavy laden, you've been to the storms of life and you're really anxious and worried. You know what Jesus says? He doesn't give you a book on self-analysis and how to do. he just says, come. All those are weak and heavy laden, <laughs> come. All those are thirsty, huh? come. It's amazing that eternal invitation, isn't it? and It's wonderful. I pray every day to see someone become a Christian. I mean, this week is wonderful. So this is about last Sunday morning. Last Sunday there was a, a, a middle-aged couple at church and the Pinsley <laughs> couple, maybe 25 years ago, he'd had some experience of, of church and that, but then it all gone pear-shaped. He'd been through so many and He'd lost it all. They moved to near Bristol. In fact, they took over an old chapel, a bit like this. and couldn't move it into a house. I don't know where it's just being in there, but he suddenly he found a story like just a way. Just being to church. <coughs> As the wife, he'd mind between. She had nothing to do with it. She was an agnostic atheist and... On a Sunday afternoon, we invite everybody who's been new to, to come to tea, and so these folks came, and we're having a a few people around the room. Just telling them this story. As the persuader to come to, we invite people to come to that, even if they're not yet Christians. We, we often say Alf is a great chance. So she came to Alpha on Wednesday. He was there. Everyone loved people all I, the I, I did the session on, on Alpha. I just do one of them in the main courses. It's so the one particular thing. <coughs> so relevant to our Just How can I have faith? How can I be sure of faith? Just in sharing this again, the amazing truth of who Jesus really is, that Albert Cupus, the Son of God. The wonder of the cross. God forbid we should glory in that cross the wonder of Jesus Christ. That means of forgiveness, a complete forgiveness. As we came towards the end of this time, I really felt a stirring. Normally we go into our small groups and that, but sometimes in these times I want to give an opportunity. So I, I don't really take an end. Um, and uh, many of you will know just a little why Jesus, which is a kind of little uh, introduction to the Alpha Course. Maybe something we would hear just at that stage is very in the background, it's a simple prayer. I, I read this prayer, I read during my presentation, a little bit of uh, uh, my prayer. I'm sorry, I've got all the wrong things. I've, I've got to pray for Jesus to die. For me. And then I, as I got to the end, I thought, I'm going to take this prayer again. I'm going to pray it now. Just like that person prayed to me on that October the 4th. i gonna pray it slowly enough. You could pray with me. I want to invite anyone who wants to come to Jesus. As I prayed, I felt the Holy Spirit really moving, and, uh, and I felt I just want I don't always do this necessarily because it's I I just want just some of you here church just to indicate, just raise your hand in The first person to raise their hands at the lady on the front row. They're yeah, the one who's been rid of the Japanese. And the a number of other folks as well. Yeah. You know, sometimes those experiences where people are on a journey, just an opportunity of help. It's just like learning to swim You know, you can paddle all your life. You've got to come a time when you just let go. Mm. Trust. And that experience of faith. To as many as received him. To those who believe in his name. He gave the power to become children. Like we're born into we God's family. We're following Jesus. But that believing, he's receiving. The believers receive. To, be to receive you consciously. To receive you think it's at the end of the story no, we have got the best part yet in this story so what happens is that when I come to a Christian is that the end of the story when I come to Jesus does that mean no more problems no more no grateful that. but Peter now he's taking the step of faith He stepped out of the boat which is such a, a profound experience he steps out of the boat and he's walking Ooh. to Jesus he can hear his voice his eyes are focused on him and then suddenly it says, listen, four lines or five lines up. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. Now, wait a minute. The wind's been there all the time. Remember the opening verses? They great from the land. The wind was against them. The wind, the wind was blowing all the time. The wind was blowing before Jesus said, Come. When he got to the boat, the wind was blowing. What's the difference now? Yeah, when heard Jesus' voice, that was who he focused on. His focus had been on him. His voice was loud and the wind was blowing. His sense of seeing Jesus and focus on him. But once you lose the focus, once you lose the focus, once other voices, other sounds, other noises become stronger than the voice that's called you, what robs you of faith? Fear. Mm-hmm. You become afraid. Those circumstances around you, those situations that you've been afraid of, if you started out with a the storming, they quickly cram back. So he was afraid. He began to sink. You can imagine he's sinking now, almost up to his head, as he's sinking, fear robs. And he shouts out, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. All right, fifth line up there, just the beginning. Lord, save me.
1: Now, here's one of those dramatic moments. You can imagine, if we were filming it, this is
0: our know, Jesus, a living sight those waves, you know, literally 100 yards in, bigger than Bolt, boat and, uh, um, and just gets it, just gets it in time to be able to catch it before his head goes beneath the surface. It's not like that. It just isn't. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You think to yourself, well, if it was that close, if it was just reaching that close, why was he afraid? He's always that close. Mm-hmm. He's always that close. Always. Distance is something we feel. That sense as if you know God is miles away, but he's always that close. He's always with us in the midst of that storm. He's always there. challenges that we don't recognise, don't realise that nearness. Once we lose the sense of nearness, the sense of distance as we said earlier, we lose that sense of faith here is the most amazing moment of it all. This is the whole point of the story. This is the key to the initial question. How is it God even allowed us to get into this? Eventually it says, as Jesus says, why did you doubt? You have little faith. When they climbed in the boat, the wind died down, down, then those who were in the boat, listen to this, worshipped him. Now this is pre Pentecost. Holy Spirit is not yet been poured out. We have no other example of this, even in the days of Jesus and the disciples, etc. But this is, this is the disciples spontaneously. Jesus isn't, remember, he'd been back on dry land and come to the now where they are, but they were literally dripping wet from the storm they'd been facing. Still pitch dark, still cold, etc., etc., etc. They worship well. And Jesus just given them the Sermon on the Mount now. And they just listened to some great message now. What's happening? This is the strongest description we have in the response of the disciples pre Pentecost. In terms of worship, they worshipped him. Literally. These soaking, wet, sopping disciples in the middle of the lake. But they had a revelation of Jesus, and here's the revelation. This is an amazing statement. This is the disciples. This is what they said as they worshipped. They worshipped him, saying, This is the disciples. Truly. You are the Son of God. You know, this is the question Jesus asked of me, the saint of Philippi, the most Lord. Who do men say that I am? Well, John the Baptist, the great Christ, And eventually he says to Peter, but Peter, who do you say? And it's a moment of revelation where God he says, Peter, you didn't work that out. My father's just written. But here they are, spontaneously, without any kind of promptings. Prompting, the disciples are worshipping and saying, Truly, you are the Son of God you think, well my, what, what just happened? This must have been the most in-depth teaching session Jesus had with them. This must have been the time when they felt closest to God in terms of uh, experience about what was what, happening. they have been through a storm. Been through a storm. Yeah. Faith to face the storms of life, not just to survive. the revelation of who God is. Discover the reality of his presence. That sense of nearness even when all head is let loose and you feel as if, wow. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. It's, there, it's mm-hmm. that kind of faith. You can face the storm. Mm-hmm. Whatever happens to one, whatever happens next week. For some of you, we you say, well, you know, I've had some storm love. You don't know what life hold. You don't know what next week is going to hold. There'll be someone here who will look back on this morning over these coming days and think, wow, that was God preparing me for this experience. Remember, because when you're in the midst of the storm, it's not the easiest time to find faith. It's cultivating in our lives that faith to face the storm. What we're going to do now is we're going to respond to that. Some of those words, there will be profound truths that are universal be some now words, but some words, some is here. I just want to say to well. so Charles, we're going to worship together, I'm going to worship together, we're going to sing a song, not the song of Old is a to sing a song, it's just a faithful one, so unchanging, it speaks about God's faithfulness, whatever the circumstances of life, it speaks about the storms of the face. What we're going to do is, uh, I'm not going to say all stand, okay, listen carefully. I just want to say that if this morning he says God speaking to you yes. if this morning you genuinely want to say speak Lord, you, say, you want to just hear maybe for some of you here you've no time, you really felt close to God but it's been a long time for some of you since you really felt the song of the Lord God speaking to you afresh but this morning you felt some of that stirring and you say Lord I, I want to hear your voice, I want to to sense that nearness. For some of you who felt distance from God for some time, you're still here at church, you're still taining, but that closeness, that intimacy. And what we're going to do is, as we're singing this song, just stand to your feet where you are and just make it a response. Make it a, literally a worship song of response to God. For some, it may be particular situations that God prophetically speaking to you about. Maybe do your health, maybe do your finances, maybe with broken relationships and heartaches, but today God wants to sing this song. I said, I'm not saying all sorts I want my prayers that most of us wouldn't be saying by the end. But don't wait for the last line. If you felt speaking to you and as we begin to sing this song, just to stand at your feet, as your response to faith. The face is one. Let's to faith, see. Faithful one, so in chief. Ageless one, you're my rock. Don't wait till the last line. Some of you who already know that's what God said and you can stand in. We just want to sense God speaking into our lives. So even now as we respond, just, just stand where you are as part of.